You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Uptown Square Media Station. WTUG HD2 Northport. W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. I was by there this morning, and every once in a while, they let me in that area in the back where a lot of the magic happens. And it was certainly magical on this Wednesday morning. It was a time in which some just absolutely perfectly ripe strawberries were taking baths in some white chocolate getting ready for the day. See, they dip them hand fresh, hand done each and every day, the strawberries at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Guaranteed freshness when you go by Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, and together we combine to form the 60-bit-a-boy of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how you doing on this Wednesday morning? I'm doing pretty good. It's kind of funny to see all the uh, folks jumping on my little smokescreen bandwagon a little smoke bit more today. Screen. You know, I had somebody ask me, though, how is it a smokescreen if the first two teams ahead – of the 49ers already know who they're taking. What what's the smoke screen about then? How is it I, I want your I want your uh you you've you know, and we champion it. We champion the smoke screen approach that you've taken here. Um so explain the smoke screen aspect of it. Because I for me, I just like saying smoke screen. I like anyone that for even no reason just starts yelling smoke screen. I love it. But give us the uh Give us the educated opinion of why this is a smokescreen involving the 49ers at number three overall and Mac Jones. I think it's just protection. Uh, you know, if you, if you make it seem like you want a guy, uh, it, it can keep the Jets from from or, or keep teams from from maybe persuading the Jets to do something uh, drastic with their pick. 
mm-hmm. and, and protect against maybe you know you never know if like if Russell Wilson you know creeps back up as a trade option again it helps kind of protect against those sorts of things and also just the the nature of these guys to want to keep their cards close to their vest uh it's very rare that we see a guy like Joe Douglas the GM for the Jets just outright say well yeah you guys have kind of figured it out we're taking Zach Wilson uh, mm-hmm. you know, and as honest as the 49ers have been, they haven't really been on that either. Plus there's the, it, it, it's kind of a little bit more under the radar that Kyle Shanahan already has a relationship with Justin Fields, whereas mm-hmm. his relationship with Mac Jones was a little bit more brand new. So, okay. uh, All right. I, I just, I mean, I really like Justin Fields too. All the negative negativity headed his way right about the time that trade happened. It's just, it makes too much sense. Yeah. See, like I said, I just like anytime anyone invokes smokescreen, I'm down. I, they don't even have to have a good reason for it. Just I love smokescreen. I mean, I might change the name of the show to Southern Smoked Sports Woo! You know, when it comes down to it. If this smokescreen plays out the way Jacob Harrison suggested, Mike, with the Niners and Mac Jones, we may just undergo an official name change. Southern Smoked Sports right here on Tide 100.9. FM, but uh, yeah, Justin Fields with another pro day today, I believe. So Shanahan, Lynch, all those cats are supposed to be there to watch Justin Fields do his thing. So we'll continue to talk some draft process as we move throughout the program. You're welcome as well at 205-342-9904. I had a great, great Tuesday after the show. Well, I mean, during the show was good too. I don't want to make it sound like oh. I got to get off the air before I can have a good day. No, it was fun. We had a fun show yesterday. But right after the show, I met up with my good neighbor, Chase Goodbread, up there at Southern Ale House. And you talk about winning combinations in Tuscaloosa history. Whether we're talking Mac to Devontae, maybe Tua to Judy, the chocolate lady and TR. Okay, maybe, maybe I went a little overboard there, that last one. But... I did pull the the double duo, the double dip of the Yardbird chicken sandwich at Southern Ale House for lunch. And by the way, they had for the side of the day at Southern Ale House yesterday, bacon ranch scallop potatoes. And if they ever have those and you're at Southern Ale House, trust me, just get like a bowl of that. Just tell them you want a bowl of the bacon ranch scallop potatoes. You'll be and then for dinner last night, uh, as we advertised to you yesterday on the program, it was Thai Chicken Tuesday. At Heat Pizza Bar. So I pulled the the yard bird at lunch and the Thai chicken pizza for dinner. Thinking a lot better than that. Some interesting stuff that we'll be monitoring throughout the day. Certainly here at Tide 100.9 FM and certainly at BamaOnline.com as well. D1 Council for the NC2A is expected to approve the highly anticipated one-time transfer rule and also move away from the dead period that seemingly has been in effect since, I don't know, the 2017 class signed with Alabama, Tua and Mac and Najee, all those guys. It obviously hasn't been that long, but it's been an exceptionally extended period due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It looks like the dead period will be, will be moving off uh, June 1st. So that certainly impact things on a recruiting front as you get into the summer months. You get a coming up this weekend on Saturday, of course, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Really, 
all over the University of Alabama campus. That's going to be a welcome return, isn't it? So you're also not going to have Alabama hosting recruits in an official capacity, but if you head over to BamaOnline.com right now, Hank South and our staff there doing an outstanding job keeping you up to date of some of the names that are expected to make their way to Tuscaloosa. Nonetheless, so a big weekend coming up. Bama baseball continues to roll. Just absolutely thumped Samford last night, 19-3. to You combine that with, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, the rumblings that have since proven to become, since pro- have since come to fruition, according to Brad Bohannon, following his team's 19-3 to win over Samford last night. Connor Prelip, Alabama's ace, expected back this weekend in that rotation. First SEC start of the season on tap for Connor Prelip. The good thing about last night, too, was in just hammering Sanford. Didn't burn up much in the way of your weekend arms. You had some guys that aren't everyday contributors. Caden Rose, Jackson Tate with some big nights at the plate. A guy who is an every-game contributor. Sam Prater, homered as well. Alabama with eight extra base hits last night in that win over the Bulldogs from Birmingham. And you got Bama softball this evening with Bama State in town. We'll see what the weather does, right? Bama State here tonight. And then, of course, the Florida Gators come to the Rhodes House for that, that Friday to Sunday SEC series. 205-342-9904. Yeah, Alabama men's basketball. You've probably seen this in the last hour or so. Making official the acquisitions of Noah Gurley, the Furman transfer, and Namari Burnett, the Texas Tech transfers. So putting pen to paper and becoming official members, I guess as transfers, they don't necessarily have to sign. I don't. They are here. They're coming. Gurley and Burnett. Gurley averaged 15.4 and 5.8 rebounds. Per game last season for the Purple Paladins from Greenville, South Carolina. Had 15-3 and three here against Alabama back in December in a three-point loss for Furman to the Crimson Tide. Wanted to ask Jacob Harrison about this, too. Saw this yesterday after we went off the air. James Conner on a one-year deal to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Jacob, does that just further open the door for Najee Harris in the first round to your Steelers or was that going to matter anyway? I mean, was James Conner pretty much on the way out? I mean, he wasn't coming back, right? No, Conner was gone, but I I think it's still, it's one of those things where after the fact, it kind of opened up the eyes of the fan base to it's going to be really hard for the Steelers to pass up uh, either Harris or Etienne at 24, if they're still available uh, at that time. Now, I mean, I'd like to get, blocker for the for for a running back first but i'm not passing up Mm -hmm. Najee at 24 now yeah that perked up the old ears and eyes i think raised a few eyebrows at least because when we see these sort of moves like the niners going up to three and like the jets sending sam darnold to carolina that's certainly indications of what those teams are looking to do probably early in the draft And so for the Steelers, that would, as Jacob uh, outlined for us there, point to the running back position uh, 
for the boys from Western PA. Yeah, Mel Kuyper, you know, he's also saying to Jacob that uh, he's not buying the smokescreen either, Jacob. That's what's going to make this, this, that, all of this is what's going to make it so much sweeter for you, right? Because Kuyper has Mac locked in. I think, uh, does DJ, Daniel Jeremiah, does he have uh, Mac there in the three hole? DJ still, to the still has Mac at three right now. All of these national, highly regarded voices where the NFL draft is concerned are locked in on Mac at number three, but not our guy. Jacob Harrison says, uh, smokescreen. 15 days Mel- is a long time. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. 15 days. Think about 25 years with me. Ask the chocolate lady about that. Um, Mel says all three quarterbacks are locked in. He's got Mac there at number three. He thinks it's done. Now, Mel is smart. He's been in this long enough to give himself sort of an out, you know, if it comes down to it. And so Mel is also, well, you want to take this time, though, and make sure you've got the right guy. He kind of left himself an out with this Justin Fields pro day and the potential, at least, um, for the Niners to maybe change their mind if they if they are, in fact, set on Mac right now and, and perhaps shift towards Justin Fields here over those final 15 days. You've got another mock that I saw today uh, from Sports Illustrated, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. He has the Niners going quarterback at number three, but he doesn't have the Niners taking Fields or Mac Jones. He's got Trey Lance, North Dakota State, going number three. To the 49ers now or also has a proposed trade in his mock he has Mac going fourth overall but to the to the Denver Broncos Broncos trade up to four and take Mac Jones and then you got four quarterbacks in the first four picks again we talked about that scenario um so much for Denver already having their quarterback I guess if it plays out that way if you move up to go to four and take Mac Jones, uh, I think you're making that transition one more time out there in the Mile High City. 205-342-9904. We're going to check in with Cecil Hurt coming up in just a little bit. Obviously, a lot of things to talk about with Cecil A-Day upon us. Some of the things he'll have his eyes on. Quarterback, always at the top of that list. Bryce Young stepping in trying to take over as a successor to Mac Jones. Who's he going to throw the football to? Some guys that have really started to emerge this spring at some positions where you knew there was a need for guys to step up. Tight end, Cameron Latou. Interested to see him on Saturday. That offensive line, those two early enrollees at the tackle position, J.C. Latham. Tommy Brockermeyer, um, wide receiver from really top to bottom. Javon Baker ready in year two to become a real central figure. If John Mechie is your number one, who's your number two? Is Slade Bolden? Is Slade Bolden a 50 catch guy? Is he that kind of guy? If he isn't, is it Javon Baker? Is it Xavier Williams? I guess what you could have between tight end when you factor that in too, which a little Billingsley is a guy 70 plus 
catches like a Mechie and then kind of divvy it up. Maybe a 50 catch guy somewhere in that mix, but then two or three 35 plus catch guys. And then you got the running back position that could factor into that as well. I don't know right now if I'm ready to say at running back, Brian Robinson as a receiver is going to be Najee Harris. I think you can throw it to him. I think he can catch it. Um, you know, is Jace McClellan that kind of guy? Now, there's still some there's still some uncertainty in terms of receiving production, and it's not just entirely limited to the wide receiver position. So so much of the focus on Saturday will be on the offensive side of the ball, but then you've got some interesting angles on defense as well. Give Jalen Armour Davis credit. Sounds like he's pretty much been a fixture with the ones at that corner up to Josh Joe through 13 practices. He's been around, had to overcome that ACL injury early in his career. Seems to have bounced back from that. He's got that requisite size that Nick Saban loves in a corner. Now you're you're not going to have much of a drop-off in terms of physical presence at corner if you end up with Jalen Armour Davis and there is a successor to Patrick Sertan II. Josh Joe, very physical in his approach. I think Jalen Armour Davis brings some of that. But I don't know if you just totally, in your mind, shut down the competition if Jalen Armour Davis is the guy that goes wire to wire there. They got some guys. They can continue to compete. You know, Jaquincy McKinstry, you got some versatility too. Because Jalen Armour Davis has played some star. He's played some money in the dime. So if you just have a guy that surges other than him at corner, you can do some different things too with uh, with Jalen Armour Davis. Right now, it looks pretty safety heavy in your sub packages. Brian Branch getting a lot of run at star this spring with Malachi Moore out, but Moore comes back, you got to think, and very much in that mix once again at star. Uh, but you got some corners that can push for some playing time. No doubt about it. Let's head to our first break. When we come back, Cecil Hurt, the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. He'll join us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Koneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. We're in the final week of spring practice for the Alabama football team. The Crimson Tide are preparing for Saturday's 2021 Golden Flake A-Day game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Wide receiver Slade Bolden discusses what fans can expect from the Alabama offense on Saturday. Different offensive coordinators, so there's going to be a little little nicks and uh, differences in between the offense, but it's... Uh, basically the same concept and I think we're going to approach it the same way we did last year and that's you know being successful off offense executing and uh, I think as an offense we're all really excited to uh, look forward and see how we will do in the spring game because you know it's our first like real real game scenario. I'll have more in a moment. 
Our newest partner on the Crimson Tide Sports Network is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast and now a tailgate grilling tradition. Kaneka Sausage, made in evergreen Alabama and a true southern flavor since 1947. And now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Alabama's 2020 college football playoff national championship team will be honored at the conclusion of the Golden Flake A-Day game. As soon as the game is over, around 2 p.m. Central, the 2020 CFP and SEC champions will be honored at midfield. Head coach Nick Saban and quarterback Mac Jones will address the crowd, and the 2020 national championship flag will be raised in the stadium. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cloudy with some rain at times today. Tuscaloosa's high 73. For tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy. The low tonight 54, the high tomorrow 68. Friday, mostly cloudy. The chance of some light rain Friday night. Friday's high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. track there a kinks cover a lot of covers on diver down probably not my favorite of the diamond david lee roth era but it was certainly it was certainly in heavy rotation back in the early 80s not sure about uh cecil hurt what he had in his rotation back around 82 maybe he had diver down a little diver down pretty woman What about it, Cecil? How you doing on this Wednesday? Great. How are you? Somebody in that band, and I'm going to assume it was Eddie, they love some kink. <laughs> you really got they, me. They played a lot of parties in Pasadena. I'm guessing those were favorites of the, the party goers back in the days, you know? Oh, sure. Sure. A little um, few covers and, and uh, let Eddie spice yeah, it. They made them... They made them their own, whatever they covered. They really did. I guess Led Zeppelin that way too, right? Yeah, Led Zeppelin was a little bit different because they were they were more into some old blues covers and and you know they'd really rewrite you 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 couldn't hear the original when the levee breaks Memphis Mini 
and and foresee what Led Zeppelin was going to make out of that. But they did some, sure, they'd do some Robert Johnson or or some Delta deep, some deep Delta blues. Um, I think I think Page was into that and Plant. Um, so um, they would <laughs> uh, they would borrow and they would cover. So. I mean, Diver Down, you had some Kinks, you had some Roy Orbison, you had some Marvin Gaye, even some Dale Evans with some Happy Trails to end that one. You know, they uh, they touched and, a lot of them. And that's, you know, that's a tradition that, that went, that goes all the way back, you know, and the, the Beatles would cover all kind of stuff on those early albums. The Rolling Stones were blues covers, you know, but they would cover, mm-hmm. they would cover all sorts of stuff. Um that was just, you know, you weren't expected to write your whole album until, you know, the mid sixties at least. So, uh, you know, a lot of those time, time is on my side by the Rolling Stones. You know, that's a, that's a cover twist and shout, which a lot of people think of the John Lennon Beatles version, but of course that's an Isley brothers song. And so that's a tradition that went way back and, and went both ways. Um, Wilson Pickett would cover would cover Hey Jude yep. or uh, uh, Dwayne so Allman went, on guitar, right? Yeah, um, Aretha covered a lot of different. Dwayne played sessions on that, and a lot of yeah. the Allman Brothers is really covered. Statesboro Blues is a, is a mm-hmm. old. Um, the the great melting pot of American blues and British rock. Um, sort of melded together and went back and forth. Uh, Cecil, I know it was uh, uh, you know kind of a not kind of, but a very emotional weekend. Is uh, continued to to pay tribute to Luke Ratliff, the uh, the the University of Alabama student, widely regarded for his fandom for all things University of Alabama, was laid to rest. In his home state of North Carolina, I know you made that trip, uh, Cecil, and uh, in reading your your column uh, from the service and, and the events surrounding uh, that that service, uh, I, I guess in, in some ways there were, were some things revealed to you in, in going back to North Carolina, going to his hometown. You know, it's pretty apparent, you know what Luke was about from a fan perspective here, but you, you, you go to another layer or 10, right. When you, when you go back to, to home, what is really home for someone like Luke. Sure. And I, I'd not been, I've been to Charlotte and wait for, uh, I guess it's 45 minutes east of Charlotte. Um, you know, it's, it's Charlotte hadn't quite grown like Atlanta, although it's certainly growing like Atlanta, but, you, you call it, you'd almost call it Charlotte, but it's, it's really about 45 minutes to the east. But, um, you know, it seemed like a close knit community, um, small town, older town. It's remarkable. It's always remarkable to me, even even when you get to the Carolinas and Virginia, um, how much older the, the towns seem, you know, those colonial towns than, than most of the ones in Alabama. So, um, there were a lot of people from Wadesboro who wanted to speak, met a lot of Luke's family. Um, a lot of it was, 
was personal, um, but I think people have been have been uh, you know moved. Even people who didn't know, you know, that's the the main thing. Are people who didn't know Luke are are kind of coming to understand that he wasn't just a what you would call a novelty act, you know, put on the funny clothes and so forth. He was a really intelligent young man um, and personified that that um, love for Alabama um, and basketball, certainly, but, but Luke loved football, loved Alabama baseball, would have been thrilled by the sweep over the, over the weekend. Um, he, he loved golf. He loved NASCAR. Uh, and yet, could could have a long conversation with you and never mention sports. You know, wouldn't wouldn't really come up. So, um, and, and was the kind of person that was. If, if you were interested in something, if you Travis Ryder, if I was interested in something, he'd want to find out about that. He'd want to ask. He was interested in in learning about stuff and. Um, you know, in in listening to what you had to say. So, uh, yeah, a very unique individual. And with his interest, as we know, uh, in University of Alabama athletics, with an emphasis probably more so on, on men's basketball, um, I guess what a week it's been for Nate Oates and his program from a player acquisition standpoint also interesting in real time on social media here in the last few days to see how the comings and goings can affect not only a roster because that's typically what we look at is the returning roster and potential candidates to move on once you get into sort of a number situation but as we saw here in the last couple days it it can impact your signees and Kind kind of tough to watch in some ways. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say um, Langston Wilson was, uh, you know, a little bit miffed, maybe or maybe disappointed in in how things had played out. But um, what what was your take on all that, Cecil, and and how this might be headed? Well, um, and today is signing day, by the way, um, and you know they've officially released. Um, that the two transfers, Gurley and Burnett, and, and we'll probably release Sediaco later in the day. We're supposed to talk to Nate at four. Um, for for Langston to request uh, a release from his national letter um, probably indicate because I don't think it was a case where he, he was afraid of competition, but probably indicates that somebody had a conversation with him, probably a two-part conversation that, um, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to, to get the minutes that you want in terms of playing time with some of the players that are coming in. Uh, and also, in, in his case, in every case you in his case, he has the option of, of another year of junior college because of COVID last year, um, and might not be the worst option because he didn't play high school basketball. He's still developing from a skill standpoint. Um, now, whether he wants 
do that. I, I don't know if he did. I think Alabama would be um, right there to re-sign him in November. Uh, but, you know, if he's released, he's released. And, and as you look around the SEC or look around the, the power conferences with all the coaching moves and the, the number of kids who have gone into the portal, you know, Missouri, I think, had eight. And, um, you know, several of the SEC teams have had a good bit of turnover. Um, and if you're maybe not, quite a, a preseason top 10 team, which some people have made Alabama to be. If you're, if you're looking to rebuild, if you've got two or three spots, um, you know, there's some attractive options out there. For life. So it'll be his decision. Um, but I don't think that, that um, I don't think the door's entirely closed in Tuscaloosa, but it wouldn't be open again until next November. Uh, and it's certainly not closed in terms of if he wants to play next year um, somewhere, and um, you know maybe somewhere that that has more of an opportunity, doesn't have as many guys in front of it. So. Cecil, um, you look at the the situation when you get into numbers and things like this, and it's it's easy to to just sort of try to connect some dots, right? You look at minutes, you look at trends down the stretch of a season, maybe uh, contributions that were made by some guys. Is there is there some danger in that, though, to, to make some assumptions that, that would seem to be at least sensible and and sort of run with them uh, without taking all the factors into account? Well, first of all, Travis, I always go on the assumption that, that everybody knows you know, everybody um, has their own opinion and so forth. Um, I would say that, that yeah, I, I think it's unfair to, to um, some of the some of the returning players because um, I, I think a lot of it right now is speculation. And I think if you if you speculate, people speculate and they want to defend their opinion, and and there are some people out there who are speculating about guys who are going to be back, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what do you say that when those guys are on the team next year? Um, I would say that, that Nate Oates hadn't made an absolute, and his staff hadn't made an absolute final decision. Now, you, you know, you may at any instant see somebody's name pop up in the portal, or it may be a month from now, you know, because you don't know, you don't know who's going to go into the, NBA evaluation process. You don't know who's who's going to um, have a good spring semester and be academically eligible. So um, I would think that any kind of speculation is premature. But um, I, I certainly don't think that there's anybody out there that that can just name a name and say, "Oh, that's right, you got it." Um, right. I don't know the term. When you go to the uh, portal, uh, you know, playing time is going to be tough to come by unless next playing 13 guys next year. And so when you see Nate go to the portal like this for Noah Gurley and Amari Burnett, uh, you, you obviously think 
fit in instant impact. So when you look at Noah Gurley and Namari Burnett, respectively, Cecil, how do you see those fits coming into play? Well, um, you know, Namari struggled at Texas Tech, but he's a tremendous athlete. I think he'll be better suited to what Alabama's style is. Um, I think he can work on his perimeter shooting, but he, they're, Noah Gurley is not as tall as Jordan Bruner, but he's probably a better scorer uh, than Jordan was, although I thought Jordan had a very good year. If he'd been healthy, he'd had a much better year. Uh, he really had a lot to overcome with the knee situation. Um, but I think Noah Gurley's really nothing perfect, but an extremely good fit for what Alabama does. I think they both are. Um, I think that's part of uh, what Nate's been trying to build with guys that, that really fit. There'd be no, they're just not in a position where they just have to go take a guy uh, because they they see him in the portal and say, oh, that guy's pretty good. Um, you know, if, if you assume, if you assume that Javon Quinterly comes back and you're adding J.D. Davison, you're not really looking at that position in the portal. <laughs> you're not. Because, because who are you going to get who's going to take those guys' minutes? You know, and Josh Primo and Keon Ellis. So who are you going to get that's going to take their minutes out of the portal? Um, you know, Namari's a little bit different type player. So, but, you know, if you see the, a guy that, that is an exact fit, and Alabama has some needs, everybody does. Nobody um, has a, a perfect roster in, in this day and age. Um, even even Nick Saban doesn't have a perfect roster. Uh, there's still <laughs> you know, there's a, there's there's a name or two out there um, in high school or in the portal that, that could be part of Alabama football next year. You just don't mm-hmm. know. But there's you know there would have been a hundred kids that would like to have transferred to Alabama, but they weren't. Why transfer in if you're not um, in a position to get the playing time that you want? When you look at uh, this situation uh, here in the next day or so, I guess it's being anticipated. I think you kind of alluded to some of that um, with the D1 Council expected to approve the one-time transfer rule. Uh, I mean, how much of a seismic shift do you think that will result in? I guess in a lot of ways, the portal is what it is in terms of numbers in football and basketball right now in anticipation of this, right? It is. It is. And, uh, you know, some guys will go back um, if, if that option's available to them and, and uh, stick with where they were because they can't transfer where they, where they want to go. But, um, you know, there's some, there's some big-name Football players um, and, and probably basketball to to an extent too, but uh, some big name football players who who are waiting to see if they can transfer within the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to make a difference somewhere, and, you know. Just to name two, Henry Henry Toyota and and Eric Gilbert would be two just off the top of your head that that. They can immediately be eligible in the SEC. Uh, 
that that's that's I'm not going to say it's going to change the outcome of 2021, but those are major contributors for somebody. Mm-hmm. It feels like uh, this weekend, Cecil, we're, it almost feels like we're getting two spring games into one after not having one, having an A-Day last year with everything that goes into that, and even a, even a national championship celebration uh, because we really weren't afforded that opportunity around here following Alabama's latest uh, national crown. What year was it that it switched one? And it's, it's amazing that you have to <laughs> sort yeah. out which championship. Yeah, it's like Philip Rivers trying to figure out his, you know, nine kids or something, right? You know, which one was that, you know, that did that? Yeah. They had it about two weeks after the championship, and it was so cold. It so I think April, in some ways, um, better. So, so um, it'll be fine. It'll be a nice way to to honor that team um, that didn't get an opportunity to have a parade or a you know, walk of champions style um, commemoration. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're giving Devontae the Heisman at halftime too. Halftime, yeah. Or, or after the game, halftime after the game, whenever they choose to do it. But, um, and that'll be nice because normally that, that's not been done in Tuscaloosa before. Um, Mark and Derek obviously got theirs in New York. So um, all that'll be interesting and all that'll be good. So um, they're about, <laughs> I, I wonder how much more handprint and foot, footprint space they have over <laughs> got to be running across the street before long right? yeah it's it's going to expand into the president's mansion's lawn i think cecil here before too long so but um yeah some some very famous names that, that are that are in there so um it'll be, it's it's good um I, I think that those things are important first of all for the players that were a part of that. And um, second of all, you just don't, I still don't think people realize um, when you've done it with the regularity, Nick Saban has done it at Alabama. People don't realize how hard it is to, uh, uh, setting aside the, the extraneous things of 20, it's hard to win a championship. It's just hard. I think about, I think about that game, and, and again, this, this is not a debate over what the Big Ten should. Have, but uh, back to the Ohio State, and understandably so, thought they had a national championship team in 2020. Uh, got Justin Fields. Got you know lots of great players. Um, that, that's the the window was open for, and. Um, sometimes it works out for you and sometimes it does, but it's not to take for granted. Um, so we shall see. Of course, it's, well, well, of course it's, but we all know Georgia's going to win this one. Um, absolutely. This will, hey, be Georgia's, this will be Georgia's 17th national title that we've anticipated since it's actually won a national title, Cecil, I think it is now. 
You know, here, this is at least the seventeenth year. I'll be fascinated as the year plays out. Everybody's um, anxious to see Georgia versus Clemson, but I, I think um, that's an important game. If Georgia wins it, you know, you'll then you'll really then then like final tap, then the pipe goes up to eleven. <laughs> but. Um, uh. They're, they're certainly a talented team, no question about that. Um, and but I'm, I'm looking at the schedule, and I just don't see how you can keep them out of Atlanta. I, I don't yeah. see how you can. They're two crossover games because we're back to the probably. <sighs> we've talked about this before. I think people love the ten game conference schedule. I think they mm-hmm. loved it. And going back to the eight games, you really get some schedule disparity that you don't have, that you didn't have. With the, uh, Georgia's two crossover games this year are, are Auburn and Arkansas. And Auburn's their traditional rival. It's just like Alabama and Tennessee, and people want to can grumble about it or not grumble about it. Most years, it's a, it's a, it's a tough game between Georgia and Auburn. It may be this year, but Georgia will be a pretty big favorite. And their other crossover game is Arkansas. So the, the point being that, you know, they don't catch Alabama. They don't catch A&M. Who would be the two favorites, I think, in, in the um, West. They don't catch LSU. And so, and, and then the, the disparity in the East, they got to get past Florida. You know, there's always a psychological part to getting past right. Florida. Uh, but, you you could make an argument that um, Tennessee, Vandy, South Carolina, uh, they're going to have a really difficult time against you know winning a bunch of conference games, and so that leaves you with if you can get past Florida, that leaves you with Missouri and Kentucky. Uh, I don't know how you can keep Georgia out of Atlanta, and so even if they don't beat Clemson, and you'll see these takes. You know, oh, that is a national championship. I don't think it is. Um, I think they could really, you know, get to Atlanta and still still get in. I don't, I don't see how they won't be a prohibitive favorite against everybody they play in the season after Clemson. Whereas Alabama, you know, got to go to game. Got to go to College Station. Um, got to go to Auburn. Those are not you know, traditionally easy places to go. So, Cecil, as we let you go here, tell us what our biggest overreaction from a pretty much made-for-TV, although Nick Saban, as we know, he takes advantage of every opportunity he gets when he gets his team on a on a practice field. Uh, what will be our biggest overreaction from the actual A-Day game on Saturday? What do you think that will involve? The offensive line? Quarterback, uh, wide receiver, probably a good chance of a running back having a good day, and might be a really good running back. Um, if the defense proves to the level that the discussion has been so far uh, this spring, uh, then people are going to the overreaction will, will be, "Oh my gosh, they're not going to score a point this year." The offense mm. is terrible. Um, the offense is rebuilding. Let's be honest about it. But I think if you 
got accustomed to, to what Alabama had with healthy Tua in 2019 and with with Mac last year and how they could score points. <laughs> I, I feel bad. Um, I'm, how many points a game is Alabama going to have to score? And this will start at eight. But how many points a game are they going to have to <laughs> or for anybody to say Bill O'Brien's doing a good job? Uh, 40.5. Yeah. And if they don't, they don't hit that. And, and I mean, people were griping about stars, you know, until last year. Um, so, uh, so the biggest overreaction will be, um, Bill O'Brien just can't get it done, you know, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But, but, Can we lose Cecil? No, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And, you know, Sark, with the weaponry that they've had the last couple of years, averaged 47.2 and 48 and a half. But, uh, oh, there's there's no doubt about that. Well, Cecil, we got to get out of here. But as always, we appreciate the time. Always good stuff for us. And we, uh, again, we greatly appreciate it. Forward to overreacting next week. Overreaction Monday makes a spring appearance. Gives us a little, <laughs> we get a little spring practice, you know, with, we'll, with we'll Monday. Get the, we'll get the back end of that. We'll have overreaction. <laughs> we'll do it. All right, All right. Well, man. Take care. There you go. Thank Cecil you. Hurt, right. Tuscaloosa News, TideSports.com. Back with a finish to a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. If you own a small business, Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cloudy with some rain at times today. Tuscaloosa's high 73 for tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy. The low tonight, 54. The high tomorrow, 68. Friday, mostly cloudy. The chance of some light rain Friday night. Friday's high at 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Bombadida, 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 as we get out of here on a Wednesday, we ask you the question, what in the heck is going on with your Atlanta Braves? Four and seven after another loss last night to the Miami Marlins. Here's how the Braves season has gone to date through 11 games. Four straight L's, four straight W's, four straight L's. What about Max Freed last night? That wasn't good. Got shelled pretty good. And then strains his hammy running the bases. Ah, maybe it gets better against the Marlins tonight. Marlins again tomorrow. Then it's off to... Chicago for the weekend with the Cubs and then on to Gotham for a pair with the Bombers. So there you go. That's going to do it 
4A Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Cecil Hurt for joining us. Thanks to Jacob Harrison, as always, for producing the show. The Lunch Whistle on this Wednesday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Trust me, get by there. They'll make that lunch special for you. Great, great stuff at Southern Ale House. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. 